0: Today is quite a hard day. This week has been a hard week, and to this service, we bring with us all sorts of different emotions. Our hearts grieve when we hear that Bill has died. Our hearts might be stirred with excitement when we see all the things that happened in Romania. And our hearts might be sad as we prepare to say goodbye to the Finns. And in all these emotions, in all these thoughts, today we come to worship God. The Heavenly Father, whose goodness knows no ends. And today's reading was changed before we knew all this stuff that happened this week. We changed it to a passage from Philippians before we heard news that rocked us. And when I was preparing it, I was thinking, oh, it doesn't feel like, you know, it's quite a hard topic to speak on after all this stuff's happened. But actually, I can't help but think that this is what God wanted us to look at. And I can't help but think that there's something important for us to grasp in all stages of faith and all ages. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love and your goodness, your gentleness and your faithfulness. And I pray that you would help us as we go about today, as we hear the things... And as we worship... (coughs) So, Father, would you go before us? Would you take my words and would you make them yours? Amen. So, the first thing I want to look at this morning is prayer. So, at the beginning of the passage, Paul is writing to the Philippian church, who have sent him some money to support him. And what's not clear on the initial reading is that Paul is in prison. He's in prison in Rome, and there's the possibility that he will be executed, And his circumstance is a long, long way from ideal. Yet in a time when natural tendency would be to focus on ourselves and the situation within which he finds himself, Paul instead prays with joy and thankfulness. And he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Joy and thankfulness in the midst of a situation that is filled with desperation. So how does Paul do this? How does he change his focus from the situation within which he finds himself to one of joy? Now, there are a lot of things that make us sad. So I have my sad bottle. What are some of those things that might make us sad? What are they? You can shout them out for me. The coming of winter. winter, Yes, I'd agree that the coming of winter is quite sad. The thought of de-scraping the car in the morning. John... Yes, when you lose a game, John, what sort of game might you lose? Badminton. Badminton. (laughs) What else might make you sad today or any days in the coming weeks? Going to school, yes, I'd have felt that when I was your age as well. What else might make you sad? Yes, when Chelsea lose to Manchester United, spoiler alert if you haven't watched it. Pain, yes, pain might make us sad. What else might make us sad? The violence, in the, world. the violence in the world, yes, that might make us sad as well. Anything else that you can think of? Broken relationships, Broken relationships other people hurting, yes, anything else? Injustice. Injustice, it's quite hard to do with one hand. Anything else? <laughs> Car washes. Car washes make you sad, that's a big shake for a car wash then. So, Paul says that despite these sad things, his heart was so filled with joy. So despite the fact that he was in prison in Rome, his heart was filled with joy because his focus was on God and his great faithfulness. So God's heart for us is to be full of joy. Now joy is not the same as happiness. Happiness is almost a fleeting thing, but joy runs far deeper. And it's possible for us to experience joy whilst at the same time being sad and acknowledging that things might not be perfect. So whatever the joy is within us, the joy of God, whenever there's sad things going on, the joy is so deep, so deep that it builds and it can't stay contained. us. It's too deep and it has to come out. So when Paul is praying out of joy, it's because that deep wellspring of joy that is within him that each one of us have when we know God is within us. So even when we say goodbye to people we love, even when we go through car washes, even when we see injustice, even when we see violence, even when there's pain, even when we're hurting, we can be joyful and thankful in them all. We can be thankful that we knew them. We can be thankful of the legacy that they've left. We can be thankful that they're with Jesus. We can be thankful that they'll be ministering to other people that need them in South Sea. We can do all those things because of the joy of God. So the second thing I wanted to look at was partnership. That was the other thing Paul spoke about. So, I'm going to take this. Andy, can you catch? No. <laughs> it depends on the throne, it? Yes, it does depend on the throw. Very good point. <laughs> there we go. Right, whilst you are holding to that bit of string, can you please throw it to someone else that went to Romania? To so, Romania? I yeah. Yes. Oh, you threw it much better than me. Richard, whilst you're holding on to your bit of string, can you throw it to someone else? It doesn't matter who it goes to, preferably on the other side of the room. No pressure. My throw is definitely the worst one by far. Yeah, I did. I wanted to make them feel better about their throws, obviously. <laughs> Alison, whilst you hold on to a bit of string, can you throw it to someone else, please? John, can you do the same for me, please? (laughs) Hold on to your bit of string for me, John. Thank you very much. Right, we'll stop there. Thank you. Okay, so if the string represents the gospel, then we can take hold of this gospel and partner with people together wherever we go. We take the gospel with us. So when Andy, Ruben, Caleb, Esther, and Tamar move to South Sea, they take this gospel with them. They're joined with us in partnering with the gospel. When Richard went to Romania, he partnered with you in the gospel. He partnered with Cami. He partnered with Hope for Kids. He partnered with a team in Yeovil. He took hold of the gospel and he was joined. When Alison goes into her workplace, she partners in the gospel. She takes the gospel where she is. She's part of that partnership. When John goes to badminton on a Monday evening, he partners in the gospel. Where he goes and with what he does. Where did it go to next, Simon? Simon, when you go to Ho- uh, which church is it now, Holy Trinity, you partner in the gospel. There's a partnership there. So wherever we go, whatever place we go into, whatever situation we're in. We partner in the gospel together. And this is why praying for one another is so vital. When we do these things, when we went to Romania, you'll hear some stories in a little while about um, two children, particularly, that we um, felt God had really answered our prayers for. Well, that would not have been possible had people here not been praying. Had we not been praying in a team in the mornings, that would not have happened. Partnership in the gospel requires prayer. And when we minister, him, we partner in that gospel. So today we might say a physical goodbye to the Finns, but actually our prayer doesn't stop there. They are still partnering in the gospel where they go, and we will continue to pray for them and hold them in that prayer, just as Paul did to the Philippine church. And part of this partnership means that we get to become part of God's narrative over the kingdom, over all the nations. We get to worship through the shifting seasons. The great unknowns of things like Brexit and changing legislations. We get to worship during that. When stuff around us changes, we get to worship and partner in the gospel together. And it might feel like it's tough and it might feel like it's too hard. But, sorry Steve, he's positioned us for such a time as this to worship God. And when we do that, this guy I was talking on Wednesday at something we said, we went to, and he said, we step out the noise, the expenses, the fears, the doubts, the decisions that are being made, and the questions we have, and instead, we step into the presence of God, and that is what we're made for. So in that moment of being in his presence, it can undo years of hurt. It can undo hopelessness, and we get to partner in the gospel together. We take his presence into our situations, and we become part of the narrative. We leave. A legacy. So the last verse. Verse 6 reads, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Verses 3 to 5 are only possible because of the conviction that's in verse 6. The unchanging conviction that God never lets us go, but that one day will be made fully perfect because God never gives up on us. And thankfulness and Christian assurance can come out of the truth that God will bring all things to completion. It's God that is at work. And all that he does covers the beginning, the continuation, and the completion of Christian experience. He began a good work in me. He began a good work in us, in Darren, in Pat, in Anita in Reuben, in Peter, and he'll bring that to completion. So even when life feels like a mess and we can't see, we remember that our lives are rich tapestry. You can't see that too well. But sometimes it feels like life is just a tapestry of mess and hurt and things that go wrong actually when we go through life we realise that our, ta- our tapestry, our journey is full of grace and mercy and eventually it looks like it was designed to look it begins to look perfect I'll put it up there, you might not be able to see it too well, That's the best I could do there you go and even in this therefore we can be joyful in every circumstance that we go through remember that God is making all things to his good. And if it isn't, if the end isn't good, then it isn't the end yet. So if we look back at this passage, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we can be thankful, we can be joyful, even despite the overwhelming sadness that we have. And even when it feels like there aren't things to be thankful for, there are. So this week, although it's been difficult, even when our emotions tell us something different, we can rejoice always. We can pray continually and we can give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's from um, 1 Thessalonians. And I felt like when I was doing this, that it's God's will for us to be thankful. And sometimes it can be really hard to find those things to say thank you for. And when we struggle, we can ask him to help us. We can ask him for that help. Um, Years ago now, I began what I called a jar of goodness. In hindsight, I should have called it a jar of thankfulness. It would have made more sense. Um, And I started at the beginning of the year. And each day that went past, I had to put something into the little pot that I had that was something I was thankful for. And I put those things in, and I I didn't read them until New Year's Eve, the following following December. Um, And there were some days that that was really hard to do. There were some days where it felt like things had gone really rubbish and life was too hard. And sometimes there were things like, thank you that I'm breathing. Thank you that I have a roof over my head. Thank you that I had my dinner. Simple things. But actually, that was all I could remember at that point in time to say thank you for. And there was other days where... There was an amazing joy. I can remember the text from Chris and Emma saying that Charlotte had been born, and that went into the pot of things to be, things that were good, things to be thankful for. And that day was an easy day, knowing what to say thanks for. But other days were hard, and I wondered um, this week as I was going going through this and hearing all that was happening and thinking, what, God, what is there to say thank you for? What what is that bit that you want to say? You want me to acknowledge and say thank you for? And it was quite hard. But I encourage all of you, when you get days like that, when you get those difficult days, ask him to help you to find that thing that is to say thank you. It might be thanking them for the legacy that's been left. It might be saying thank you that even though we lose someone, South Sea gains someone. There's all sorts of stuff to say thank you for. And we are people of joy. And when we're people of joy, we change atmospheres. We shift cultures. We make a difference. And sometimes, when that joy is bubbling up in us, other people can't help but be drawn into it and consumed by it. It begins to permeate through. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are God and that you are good. And I pray that you would remind us of those things that we can be thankful for and that joy would bubble out of us even in the darkest of times. We would be people who carry your joy, who carry your goodness, who carry that sense of gratitude with them. So I pray that in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, you would show us how we can partner in the gospel with one another. And that we would remember that in all things, you bring them through to perfection. Amen.